did have one more announcement. Um, there is a, uh, you probably saw the slide, there's a revival at the Fresno Church. Uh, there's also a seminar that the, that the school puts on, um, and that is, I believe, the 29th through the 31st. So I think it starts Sunday night with the revival. Uh, then the 30th and the 31st are the seminar days uh, where the students will actually be preaching uh, this year. I have the privilege of preaching the second sermon uh, out of that seminar. So that's on the 30th uh, in the morning. And uh, uh, the theme of it is keeping the faith. And so the sermon that I will be preaching there is called The Origin of the Faith. Uh, so they gave me the probably one of, one of the heaviest ones. So, uh, but uh, please come to that if you are able. It should be really good. Um, it, a lot of the students are pastors from other churches as well. Um, they tried to make sure that it was mostly the upperclassmen students. So uh, the very experienced men are coming to preach there. So it's going to be it's going to be a good seminar. So if you are able, please go to that. All right. Um, getting into our sermon today, uh, we've been talking about our relationships. Uh, and today uh, we are going to start, and for the next probably three weeks, we're going to be talking about our relationship with the world. You might be looking at me like, Pastor, aren't we supposed to not have a relationship with the world? Well, we do interact with the world, uh, and we need to know what our conduct as believers uh, should be like when you know we're out in the world. Uh, we talked about you know our conduct in our church uh, last week, but now what about the rest of our conduct? What about the rest of our lives, right? And so uh, we're going to take three weeks to look at this because uh, I was looking at the passage in uh, Ephesians chapter five that I wanted to go over, and I was like, well, you know, I could either make this three points in one sermon, or I could three separate sermons. So it might be three short sermons, but it's better than one really long one. So, uh, but, because uh, they are three distinct points here. And so what we're going to talk about today is walking in love, walking in love. Um, and so before we get into that this morning, I want to go ahead and pray. Uh, dear Lord, thank you uh, so much that uh, you brought us here this morning, Lord, and that we can dive into your word, Lord, and um, I just pray that you would help guide us as we uh, walk uh, according to your word throughout our lives, Lord, and I just pray that we can be good representatives uh, in the world and um, not let worldliness affect us, uh, but that we can be an effect on the world, Lord. I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I already kind of said it, uh, walking in love doesn't just mean that we are loving to everyone. Uh, when it says walking in love in this passage, uh, what that means is, is that because Christ loved us so much that he died for our sins, because God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son, that we are to walk according to our love for God. Uh, that is our first and foremost responsibility in life. And so, the first part of this passage here in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at 1 to 7 today, but the first two verses here uh, talk about being imitators of God or uh, in following Christ. And so let's go ahead and read verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a, a sweet-smelling aroma. And so 
We are to imitate God as a child imitates their father. Imitate God as a child imitates their father. Um, you know, the, I, it took me a little while to understand this. I didn't really understand it too much until I had children. Uh, and, you know, they start copying the things that you do, right? Even the things that you don't even, like, realize, just the little things. They'll, they'll start imitating those things because they're trying to figure out how they should be in life. This is why it's so important also for there to be two parents in a home, right? Especially if you have boys and girls. Uh, you know, uh, I've said before, girls look to their mother for how they're supposed to be, and they look to their father for what to look for in a man, right? And the same is true vice versa for boys. Boys look to their father, right, to how, how to act in life, how they should be a man, uh, and they look to their mother for uh, an example of the woman that they are to find in their life. And so uh, we need to be paying attention to that, that children will imitate us. Everything that we do, even when we don't think they're looking, uh, especially when we don't think they're looking. Uh, there's been things where uh, I thought Elizabeth was totally zoned out into watching her cartoons and stuff, and, um, and then she just picked up off of me and uh, and I didn't realize it until way later. I'm like, oh, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, and then other little things, like uh, one of my uh, kind of favorite little treats is I, li I like these, like, garlic stuffed olives. I know a lot of people don't like that, but I like garlic stuffed olives. And so every once in a while, I'll go to the fridge and grab one out, right? And now Elizabeth uh, does the same thing. She'll go to the fridge and she'll just grab a garlic stuffed olive and... You know, and my wife hates them. And so, but Elizabeth, she's copying her daddy and, you know, and it's funny, you know, it, w my wife can give her food and she doesn't want to eat it. And, but as soon as she sees daddy eating the same thing, you know, she, she, she'll eat it. <laughs> so like, I don't know if it's good yet. You, you try it first. No I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, our children imitate us. And so that is the same way that we are to imitate God as dear children, right? Uh, we're to look to God as our Father, as our Lord, but also as a Father figure and imitate Him as best we can. Uh, unfortunately, we all fall short of that all the time, uh, but that is the goal in our lives. The next part uh, in verse 2, what he says here is, and walk in love. That's the main thing of our, our, our sermon today, walk in love. But it says, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And so we have this really messed up view of love today. Uh, people think, of, when they think of love, uh, they think of romantic love. That's, that's pretty much all the world looks at love today in America, especially. Uh, they don't look at love the proper way. Um, in the Greek, there's a bunch of different words for love. I think there's at least four. Uh, I, and I'm getting into this later. But um, the love, the romantic love that we think of as love today is the eros love, right? And so that is the, that is the sexual, lustful uh, type of love. That's a love that 
is good in a marriage relationship. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But uh, the love that it is talking about here is agape. Uh, this is the sacrificial love. This is the love that God has for us. Uh, this is the love that Christ has for us. Uh, he sacrificed himself for us. And so we are to walk according to that type of love, that sacrificial love. And so we need to really, when you look at these verses here, we need to really be loving God in that sacrificial way, putting him first and us second, right, in our lives, the same way that he has loved us. And so we follow God in our lives because God, uh, or sorry, because you love God uh, and Christ has loved us. And so with all of that, so if you look at that and keep that in mind as we go through the rest of this passage today, uh, the rest of these verses, because it all has to do with that. So walking in love, right? What does walking in love for God look like for a Christian? And that's really what Paul is going to kind of explain. Uh, what is our conduct supposed to show? Uh, how do we show God that we love him, right? Uh, Jesus said that, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? Uh, so if we love God, we need to walk accordingly. So what is fitting conduct for saints? Fitting conduct for saints. That, this is what the next verses are about here. It says uh, in Ephesians 5, 3 through 4, But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And so the, the end of verse 4 there, when it says, but rather giving of thanks, right, that goes along with walking in love. So if you have the right attitude, uh, you're going to be thankful to God and you are going to put that at the forefront of your mind, and you're not going to do all this other stuff, right? Uh, I'm going to get back to that in a moment. But uh, the, in verse 3, uh, so it talks about two different types of sins in verses 3 and verses 4, right? Uh, verse 3, it's talking about sins that you act on. It's doing sinful things. Uh, verse 4 is speaking in a sinful way, okay? Uh, so verse 3 uh, we need to understand that we need to avoid sexual sin. Uh, that's what it's talking, that's the type of sin that it's talking about in verse 3, sexual sin. I'm probably going to get canceled for this today. So, uh, But uh, the first um, thing that it talks about here with sexual sin is fornication. Fornication. Now, what is fornication in this context? Well, fornication is, is any sexual relationships that are outside the confines of biblical marriage, right? And so marriage between a man and a woman. So any sexual relations outside of that, that's considered fornication, uh, is sexual immorality. Um, this includes, but is not limited to, homosexuality. Uh, I was talking or arguing with someone about this, uh, not, not an intense argument, it was just a discussion, but we were talking about, you know, well, why is homosexuality worse than other sins? Well, uh, one, the Bible says that it's an abomination, right? Uh, so there are some sins that are worse than others, but 
that's not the only sexual sin. Any sin outside of marriage is bad, right? Or sorry, any sex outside of marriage is sin, right? And so that includes homosexuality because two men cannot be married together. I don't care what the world says today. That is not the way God designed it. So this isn't the only place in the Bible that talks about this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18 explains this a little bit more. It says, flee sexual immorality. Again, same thing as fornication there. It says, every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. So this type of, this sexual sin there, what Paul's saying is, is, you know, all of these other sins, the reason why sexual sin is so bad is all of these other sins, these are outside of you. But if you commit sexual sins, you are sinning against your own body. You are damaging yourself. You're damaging yourself. Again, this is a sin against your own body. This is why it's so bad, right? And it's one of the things, it goes against the very core of the way God designed things. God designed for sex but to be within the confines of a marriage. This goes all the way back to the beginning. It's one of the first things that God instituted. And so to go against that is striking at the very heart of Christianity. Then, cleanliness. So you might be like, well, uncleanliness, that's, how is that a sexual sin? So within the context of this passage, right, uncleanliness, the word there, uh, it's actually talking about still fornication. It includes fornication, uh, but it broadens it a bit. And so this broadens it to even just lust, uh, looking after a woman with lust, right? So this is fornication, but also, uh, you know, what you have in your head right? Uh, this broadens it to sin in your heart. Uh, Jesus spoke about this. Uh, Matthew 5, 28. Uh, this is one of, the, you know, one of the most famous verses here talking about adultery. It says, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so th that's the uncleanliness that it's talking about here is, is, so one, you could be acting on sexual sin, fornication, right? But if you are looking outside your marriage, looking at women with lust, or you know, women looking at men with lust, it's the same thing, uh, you are committing adultery in your heart. And so that, that's that, what it's talking about there is, uh, it's not just what you do with your body, it's also what you do with your heart. Now, he goes even one step further uh, and includes covetousness in this. So it's one thing, again, to sin with your body. You know, you're doing these things. It's another thing to sin with your heart by desiring these things. It's another thing to covet these things. This is desiring what you can't have, right? This is desiring what usually uh, belongs to someone else. Uh, in the biblical context of covetousness, Covetousness is almost, almost always spoken of uh, as desiring another man's wife. And so uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 17 speaks about this. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, 
You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, uh, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So not just, you know, doing bad things, not just uh, looking at things and having bad thoughts, but desiring what you can't have uh, as well. Uh, that's coveting. So he says that these things are not fitting for saints. Not fitting for saints. He says, don't even let it be named among you, right? Shouldn't even be a, a consideration. It shouldn't even be a thought with uh, believers. We should be, again, having this attitude of giving thanks to God. If you're coveting someone else's wife, if you're coveting anything, really, you're not happy with what God gave you. Replace that with an attitude of giving thanks. Now he moves on, and uh, he, in, in this verse here, I'm going to go back to it for a second. It says, it starts off with neither, right? So when it says neither there in verse 4, it's not a separate thought. It is continuing the thought. So don't do these things. Also, don't do these things, right? And so now he's saying, don't just avoid doing sinful things. Avoid sinful speech now. He talks about filthiness. Avoid filthiness. This is disgraceful or vile speech. So this is basically like, you know, shop talk, if you men in here know what I'm talking about, right? This is, this is you know, disgusting speech, uh, including cursing, right? Uh, we need to avoid cursing. I, I've been guilty of this in the past. I'm, I'm still guilty of it every once in a while. I, I stub my toe every once in a while and some words come out of my mouth and that shouldn't have. But understand, that's what it's talking about. This, this is disgraceful or vile speech here. So if you wouldn't say it directly to Jesus, don't say it, right? Then it talks about foolish talking. I like this one. This is, this is you know... Uh, have you ever been in a conversation that just went nowhere? Uh, that's foolish talking. That's actually what it's talking about here. Uh, so the, the definition here for foolish talking is talking with no intelligent value. So just don't, don't, just, don't just talk about nothing. You, know? you better have, you better have a, a, a subject to talk about. You better be accomplishing something. Uh, that doesn't mean that we can't have casual conversations, but... Uh, Avoid, you know, just talking about dumb things, right? Um, and it's not just that, uh, you know, I would include, you know, the people that think they're speaking in tongues today. That's talking with no intelligent value, right? Uh, so think about that. Uh, Paul very much speaks against tongues in pretty much all of his writings. So I will say that. Um, then he says, and this is the one that we're all guilty of, men. Uh, I mean, women too, I don't know, but when men are talking with men, uh, coarse jesting. So this is the, this is the crude jokes, right? Uh, coarse jesting, right? Um, it's not just jokes, though. So we tend to focus on this one, and we say, we say, well, you know, you should never tell jokes, right? Some people even get mad when a preacher opens up their sermon with a joke because of this verse, right? 
That's not just what this verse is talking about, okay? These are, this is not just a lighthearted joke, okay? This is a negative joke that is aimed at someone else, right? So these are all, a lot of times derogatory jokes. Um, you know, when you're joking to put down someone, right? Th these are, th this is the negative speech aimed at others. That, that's, that's what this encompasses here. And so this could be joking. Uh, this could be not just joking. This could be, you know, making little evil comments towards other people. Uh, we need to avoid these things. And again, this is all in the context of we're believers. We're followers of Christ. We're supposed to be walking in love. We're supposed to be examples in the world. Uh, if you're, you know, I, I did pest control, right, uh, when I first uh, moved up to Fresno, and uh, I've matured a lot since then, but uh, I had, you know, kind of a bad mouth. When I was around a bunch of other people uh, talking bad, I, I did it right with them because... You know, I'm a young guy and I made a mistake, right? Uh, we need to avoid that because if they're unbelievers, and so it's expected, you know, it's not, you know, good that they're doing it, but it's understandable. They're not believers. They don't have that, right? They, they, don't, they don't look to God for their uh, example. They're not imitating God. And so they're doing it because kind of they don't know better, right? I, I will say it's still wrong, but you, know, you get what I'm saying here. Now, we're, if, if we're doing that right along with them, and we're professed to be believers, uh, and we say we're Christians and everything, what kind of example does that set? Uh, they go, well, you're no better, you're, you're no different than me. Now, there's some today uh, in, you know, big churches and stuff that say, well, that's a good thing. You know, they should look at you as, you know, no better or different than them. Uh, you know, that way you can make a relationship with them and bring them to church and stuff. That's, that's not good. We're supposed to be looked at, we need to try to be better. We need to be looked at as we are attempting to be like Christ in our life. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we have like a holier-than-thou attitude. But we need to actually be trying to be better. Uh, thank God I'm a sinner saved by grace, though, right? But we need to be setting an example for other people, right? Not getting dirty right along with them. Again, this conduct is not fitting for believers if we are doing these things. These sins here... They do nothing, all of the sexual sin, all of the verbal sin. Uh, there's a reason Paul is specifically talking about those right now. Those sins do nothing but damage and destroy things. These sins, they damage uh, you. They damage your character, right? They destroy your testimony. And not only that, uh, if you are professed to be a believer, they damage your church. If you're out there committing these sins, if you're out there speaking in a bad way, this hurts the church. It doesn't just hurt you. If, you know, if people see you on, one, on Saturday going out and doing bad things, cussing like a sailor, right? 
And then they see you on Sunday walking into church. They go, well, everybody else there must be the exact same. Doesn't, hasn't changed them at all. So we need to remember that, that our conduct outside of these walls matters. And again, we replace those things, right, with walking in love and a spirit of giving thanks to God. If you are truly thankful to God for saving your soul, right, you will attempt to be more and more like him. You will put away these sinful things. And if that's not enough, Paul reminds the believers what the consequences are for the sinful world. So the people, you know, I, I talked about, you know, when I was doing pest control and stuff, and when, it, when you're with non-believers, and, it can, you know, I did construction before that and stuff, and uh, when you're with non-believers and they're doing all these bad things, right, they're not saved. you got to remember, they're going to hell. Why are we trying to imitate them instead of God? And so Paul says here in Ephesians 5, verses 5 through 6, he says, for this you know. So they don't know better. You know better, okay? You know better. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So all those sins, the, the sins that Jesus saved you from, remember that those sins are what send people to hell. Sinfulness sends you to hell. Okay? Again, thank God we have grace. But we need to understand, after we're saved, we need to avoid those things. It, just because you are saved, don't forget the seriousness of the sins uh, in your life. It's not to be taken lightly, and sometimes as Christians, we tend to do that. We look at sin a little bit lighter because we have grace, right? Uh, you know, it's no big deal. I'll just ask for forgiveness, right? No, it's a big deal. These sins send you to hell, right? But you're saved. In verse 6, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. So if anybody's telling you that these things are fine, right? No, let, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sin, or sorry, the sons of disobedience. The sons of disobedience are the people that don't accept Jesus Christ. Okay? So what are the two things that happen here? Right? First, you get no inheritance. Okay? So, because of sin, people have no inheritance in heaven. Now, to some, that's like, okay, well, I, if I don't get anything, well, then that's not that bad. It's not, it doesn't just stop there. You're not just losing out on an inheritance. The, sec, the next verse there, it says that the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So, you lose out and you were punished. Again, don't forget what Jesus saved you from. Don't forget what Jesus saved you from. These sins we need to avoid because they are that terrible. And just because we have grace, we, we need to not forget that. This 
last verse here talks about not being partakers with the world. Do not be partakers with the world. So again, he's not talking about, you know, if you go out and do these things, you're going to go to hell with them. That's not, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying don't partake of the things that they're doing because that, those are serious things. Those are sins against God. Those hurt you. Siri, shut up. Sorry, my, my watch started talking to me. Um, I, I got distracted. I, I apologize. But those things are so bad. They're sins against God. They're sins. You, you sin against your own body. You're damaging your church. You, you're damaging your testimony. Right? We're hurting God when we sin. You, you know, everybody think like, oh, well, it doesn't hurt anyone, right? If what I do by myself when no one's around, it doesn't hurt anyone. But God sees you, right? Every sin that we do is a sin against God. It's not just a sin against our fellow man. It's not just a sin against ourselves. Every sin that we commit is a sin against God. Just remember the seriousness of that. These sins are enough to send people to eternal torment. Eternal torment because of those sins. Now, we're saved from that as believers. The seriousness of it doesn't go away, right? We don't have the consequences of that because we have Jesus. But those consequences still exist for others. So, Ephesians 5, 7, Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Do not be partakers with them. So you're going out in the world, you're going about your daily life. Do not act like them. Instead, be an imitator of God because you love him, you are walking in that love, and you have a spirit of thanks in your life. You are so very thankful for Jesus saving your soul. And so don't act like the world. Don't go right back to the things that Jesus saved you from. Don't do it. As a pianist and song leader come this morning, I want to close out with this. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, we just talked about the consequences uh, a minute ago. No inheritance. This is the consequences of not being saved. No inheritance with God, but also the wrath of God coming upon you. Those are real things. All you have to do to avoid that, right? Again, sin is terrible. It hurts God. All you have to do to avoid eternal punishment for those things is look to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He took the punishment for you on the cross. You know, think about that. When Jesus died on the cross, all of the sins of the world, past, present, future were poured upon him that way you don't have to take the punishment and so all you have to do to avoid that punishment this morning is repent of your sins be sorry for what you've done and turn to jesus christ as your lord and savior believe in him and you will be saved pray to god if you repent and believe you will be saved do that this morning